Hey, it's Coach Freddie here, inspiring people to do things that inspire them, and welcome to the iHemp Revolution, where we'll be discussing the benefits of growing and using industrial hemp for people, planet, and profit. Conversations about the history, legalization, farming, harvesting, processing, building, manufacturing, investing, and how industrial hemp can benefit people's lives, heal the planet, and how it can be used to make thousands of products and boost the economy and business. So, are you ready to join the iHemp revolution? My guest today is Chris Nelson from Marshall, Missouri. Chris Nelson is the innkeeper for Kitty's Corner Guest Houses in Marshall, Missouri. He's a freelance photographer and a computer trainer. Myself and the Hemp Road Trip crew stayed at one of the guest houses right there in Marshall, Missouri, just a few weeks ago. Chris is a historian and knows the detailed history of hemp and the part hemp played in Missouri and the Santa Fe Trail. And today, Chris is going to share some of that history with us. So, Chris, thanks for your hospitality in Marshall there a few weeks ago, and welcome to the iHemp Revolution. Well, you're very welcome, Coach Freddie. It was so much fun meeting <laughs> yourself and the 2016 hemp road trip, having it come to Marshall, was really special and very eye-opening for those who were able to um, to visit. Well, that's great. So, Chris, can you give us a little bit more background about yourself and how you got interested in hemp and the history of hemp, especially in Marshall, Missouri there? How did it all start? Well, Freddie, uh, actually probably a long time ago, but as of late uh, within the last four years or so, I got involved with advocating uh, legislation for the cultivation of agricultural hemp. And, and in particular, for um, you know where I live here in Missouri, I'm in Saline County in Marshall, Missouri. And Saline County is just waiting for an opportunity to arrive as far as an economic boost and like, you know, essentially it's like a microcosm for anywhere really in the United States. But uh, in Saline County, the uh, the history of Saline County, uh, oh, from like 1830 to 1860, our main commodity was hemp. Uh, we also grew some cotton and grew a little tobacco. But essentially the whole hemp cultivation was uh, primarily uh, our source of income and 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 culture. There was essentially a hemp culture involved as well. Uh, the hemp itself um, at that point was uh, processed for uh, cordage, for rope, and for canvas and for bags for uh, packaging, uh, cotton, and tobacco. So it was, um, you know, needed everywhere that. Where there was tobacco and cotton, so it could be bound and uh, processed. Um, with uh, hemp now, uh, agricultural hemp being an, a possibility in uh, Saline County, uh, it's it's amazing what could potentially happen. Just what we do know with you know, the products that can come with hemp, and and then the industries that are right behind it. And in some ways, it's it's like a uh, <laughs> horse before the cart and just determining where to really begin. 
But essentially, that beginning won't happen, as we probably are all familiar, until the Controlled Substance Act uh, either embraces hemp or essentially just you know hemp and cannabis are, are actually end up being rescheduled, so we can use both uh, products. And that's um, you know down the line. But until that happens, learning what it takes to put the seed in the ground. The harvesting, the processing facilities that'll be uh, uh, available or would want to be made available, and um, essentially attracting uh, uh, this new industry into Saline County is. <laughs> I'm optimistic that by 2025, uh, we won't recognize what it looks like in this neighborhood once uh, the hemp culture uh, comes back uh, to our neighborhood. What part of the history does the, uh, the the Santa Fe Trail? Everybody has heard of the Santa Fe Trail, but I think very few people know the history of all that and what hemp played in that. Yeah, the Santa Fe Trail was huge as far as developing the uh, hemp industry um, uh, just prior to the Civil War. Uh, in short, the uh, Santa Fe Trail began just all up the road here in uh, Franklin, uh, Missouri. And a fellow named William Becknell was uh, brought on board to um, take a crew out to Santa Fe. I think there was like maybe six to eight people. And at that point, the Louisiana Purchase had had just gone through. And one of the things Santa Fe was known for was its Mexican silver. And so the idea was to bring um, items to trade uh, there in Santa Fe and then bring back the silver. Uh, this was just oh about 200 years ago right now. Um, I think it was like around maybe uh, 1818 up to you know around 1820, right around that area when they first went out. Uh, they just had horses at that point and uh, left <laughs> in uh, like October, in October, and made the round trip to Santa Fe, came back uh, in February. So you can just imagine uh, the weather conditions, the, well, it was just outright prairie and, you know, Indians. And, um, I mean, there was a, just a movie that just came out with uh, Leonardo uh, DiCaprio that um, I think was called Reverent, Revenant, that captures what it was probably like for William Becknell to make it there, and then eventually back with these bags of silver. And uh, once he got back with those bags of silver, and from what I understand the way the story goes, he literally just opened up a bag and just let it all the silver fall right onto the ground. And uh, you know he was pretty proud of himself and to be able to bring to be able to do that. And so that got the attention of folks who thought, well, you know, let's get a wagon expedition out there. And and I believe there was maybe about a half dozen wagons they put together with items that they were going to trade, uh, everything from furs to um, you know, material goods that actually I, I, you probably need to have a little bit more information on what they did bring out. But the uh, source of what helped them bring it were these wagons. And this is where my, my, the attention I got from this was they were uh, – the wagon coverings themselves were repurposed uh, sailing ship sails. 
and many of the wagons were. And those repurposed sailing ship sails were made out of hemp. Mm-hmm. So essentially, the covered wagons were covered with these repurposed sailing ship sails or, or hemp canvas. And, and so it had a lot to do with being able to go to Santa Fe, come back, and, uh, and then bring back the, the silver in these uh, covered wagons. That eventually, it got to be a, you know, a major production, being able to uh, make that trek to Santa Fe. And um, the silver itself went into buying property in our neighborhood here and that attracted the attention eventually of folks in Kentucky uh, who, um, and in fact parts in Kentucky are very similar to this part of Saline County as far as um, especially areas of Kentucky I'm a little bit familiar with around uh, our Murray uh, Kentucky that's just you know, a perfect place for hemp cultivation, and and there was quite a bit in that time. You know, between the basically in the 1700s, the Kentucky had the roadmap, as it were, on how to, um, you know, grow hemp and make it into uh, essentially a culture at the same time. So those folks from Kentucky eventually ended up in Missouri with their seed, and then with the silver coming back from Santa Fe and. A uh, number of things just enabled the whole hemp culture to um, get itself started and and in place. Now, another uh, part of this production, too, was the uh, side of, you know, how was it planted, how was it cultivated, you know, the tonnage that was involved. And there was quite a bit. Just by 1839 in our neighborhood, right around our neighborhood, we uh, harvested or processed 12,000 tons of hemp, which uh, is a significant amount even for today, bringing about 12,000 tons of hemp. It's going to be really interesting to see that the day when that starts happening again in our county or in the United States for that matter. But in order to process that 12,000 tons, it required slaves. And those slaves were, you know, from Kentucky. They came from Kentucky, and then eventually it was a culture right here in our neighborhood. We didn't have slave plantations, say, like uh, that were in Mississippi that, uh, you know, are more like for, you know, cotton plantations. Um, But they were, um, you know, utilized, or slavery was utilized to, uh, you know, plant, harvest the crop, process the crop, and... um, for most hemp farmers, they probably had one to two slaves to help them. And it could be more, but it wasn't, like I say, a big plantation of, of format. And so in our county alone, in Saline County, by about this time in 1839, when actually Marshall became a town, was a, first became a town in 1839, uh, the county itself, from what I understand, had around... 15,000 people living here, which was a significant amount, and uh, 5,000 were slaves, which was a significant amount. And this is what I've gathered from um, just living here in the neighborhood and being part of uh, essentially this Civil War reenactment that just occurred here, uh, the Battle of Marshall, actually, in 2013. A lot of that history came out during seminars that we had about what it was like uh, leading up to the Civil War and what the Civil War was like, especially during the Battle of Marshall here in uh, 1863. 
And but that time leading up to the Civil War, th- there most of our our generals, uh, especially uh, you know Colonel Shelby who fought the uh, was a huge hemp farmer, and uh, owned steamships on the uh, Missouri River that would uh, take his harvest to uh, to market and and um, again it's a really rich history of of folks in this county that uh, and one, another person in particular that does stand out is uh, uh, Dr. Sappington um, who lived just outside of Arrow Rock and, and then Arrow Rock you didn't get a chance to go visit Arrow Rock when you were here and by the way you guys please come back to this neighborhood again stay with us at Kitty's Corner and we'll take some tours of where the hemp was grown in Saline County because it's it's fascinating in itself, but there in Arrow Rock, Doctor Sappington, his history. Um, he's, he, came, he was here an early uh, to arrive in the eighteen twenties. He came upon five hundred pounds of quinine, and uh, that quinine was also very significant for folks doing the Santa Fe Trail because, uh, in order to avoid at that point, well which they didn't know that uh, malaria was prevalent at that point, at that time. And he was able to manufacture quinine pills and uh, made his first, yeah, I would say easily, you know, equivalent to millions uh, just with quinine and was able to buy a significant amount of land that grew a significant amount of hemp and um, had from what I understand, at least 40 to 50 slaves uh, help him with this. And though it's not record, I haven't been able to record specifically how much hemp uh, Dr. Sampton brought in, but from what I can tell, he was uh, he was an entrepreneur, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised that over the time period that he was growing, and and then partnerships that he had with you know relatives that were growing and eventually even <laughs> governors and uh, again that's a rich history it's a, a talk just in itself about Dr. Sappington I wouldn't be surprised that his hemp um, production maybe equaled if not surpassed what he had with quinine so you can kind of imagine what our neighborhood was like at that point. I mean, there were 15,000 people. Uh, hemp at that point, too, was $70 a ton minimum, you know, going up to about $200 a ton. And so, you know, in relatively speaking, there was as much money here as, say, Microsoft had in monies. Even well, maybe not today, but definitely when they first started. There's and and so you know, there Microsoft did really well, and and in this area, hemp was essentially king in our neighborhood here, up until the Civil War, and when the Civil War broke out, um, and eventually, you know, slavery itself dwindled down to well, there wasn't any. You know, there was an emancipation occurred um and i more or less theorized that especially in this neighborhood the civil war you know the economy of not having hemp there anymore down to making the cordage and bags for tobacco and cotton and without that hemp uh that put a huge dent into the industry and basically um you know the south ended up paying for it in that respect and 
in a lot of respects still kind of paying for it today. And but then fast forward to today and being able to grow hemp right now and um, utilizing technology to do it. And then all the thousands of products that are available by growing hemp. And I'm sure our listeners may have you know, are familiar with just the you know pulp that you can get from hemp. You know, just uh, an acre of hemp is equivalent. I understand it like four acres of trees, and the amount of years it takes those acres of trees to grow, and just one season with hemp, it doesn't take new mathematics to do the math. That uh, okay, this is a very viable way to uh, you know utilize our our land here and uh, growing a crop that uh, you know, essentially will also help, I'm kind of going on to another stream here, but also help uh, with diversity of crops because uh, the hemp itself uh, helps you know, the soil become more of a living soil. And uh, a living soil is uh, is a very healthy soil to work with as, as, as those in agriculture and just what I've been uh, being able to catch up on myself, living soil, you, know, you don't have erosion problems. If there's a big drought, you don't have, you know, it isn't all doesn't dry up and comes into being a dust bowl. Living that living soil with essentially the hemp root system, you know, breaking down and helping with making it a living soil, and then. Once you start planting again, it doesn't require tilling. You just plant right into it, right into the living soil. And, um, and again, you'll be able to manage a diversity of crops eventually, too, because currently we're in a monoculture crop here in uh, Saline County. We either have beans or corn, and a significant amount of the, the corn itself goes into making ethanol. We have a, a, one of the larger ethanol plants here in Saline County, and there's an example of where you could have hemp instead of ethanol to, uh, to generate our fuel. And I understand that going back to the covered wagons, that it was the hemp seed oil that uh, lubricated the wheels. Yes, hemp seed oil lubricated the wheels. It also uh, lit the lanterns as well. Exactly. So in, in most of the history that you read in that area, and I've, I've been able to collect uh, some significant amounts, but it's generally been redacted in our culture. It's um, our culture, meaning you know, current, you know, within the last seventy years or so, that uh, you know, hemp eventually uh, <laughs> the stigma of slavery didn't help hemp back, you know, at that point, and then after the Civil War. And, you know, we found other, you know, cotton basically replaced uh, a lot of what hemp was doing. And um, we really didn't have hemp cultivation. And I'm still trying to to get a better information in Missouri, whether Missouri was growing hemp during that uh, hemp for victory uh, during the, the Second World War to uh, uh, for cordage and for and actually uniform, uniforms as well. But from what I understand, there was an 18-month period during this, the Second World War where the whole hemp industry basically came back online again and, and was referred to as the, the billion-dollar industry and, and um, looked like it was about ready to take off until uh, the notorious cousin referred to as marijuana was associated with 
with hemp because they looked alike. So that's uh, between this, the yellow journalism that came out about marijuana and then eventually the whole hemp industry being cut off uh, shortly after the, the the bomb went off in Japan. Once the bomb went off, uh, there are a lot of things went off in our minds at that point from what you know that we're seeing now. And uh, Standard Oil, the petrol, you know, plastic companies, to even the nuke industry, you know, started up. And with hemp, you know, it had it was in a position to do what all those products do. And you know, fast forward now to 70 years later, that's where our, our hempication, hemp education is coming about to you know at least give us a chance to bring hemp back into uh, a cultural renaissance, essentially. I would love to think that in our lifetimes, Freddie will see that happen by, you know, especially by 2025, um, just this whole renaissance of utilizing technology, utilizing uh, media itself, uh, uh, documenting it as it happens as well, because this documentation is going to come in I sense really handy by about 2050 so we can kind of get an idea of where we came from over, you know, a 25, I guess, 35-year period of time because 2050, what, it's only 35 years away, huh, Freddie? That's it. (laughs) You know, I'm looking forward to seeing that too. (laughs) Yes. And, you know, again, one of those products that hemp makes too, you know, with it's it's a whole other topic in itself, but I'll just – just briefly mention it, and it could be you know another source of health for us is the you know the CBD oil, and again why you know get yourself healthy with CBD oils and other you know products that uh, aren't petrochemically based that were I mean I just saw today too just the opaque industry is having a hard time keeping forty people alive every day, where <clears throat> there are all you know options to. Uh, opioids that uh, hemp and cannabis can help out with but again again that's a whole other topic but just as as an example why stay healthy if you're not going to do something about it and so exactly that's where this advocation finding your niche within this next culture you know cultural renaissance that's right here at our doorsteps and what was very apparent to the uh, hemp trip that you guys brought to Marshall, uh, it is resonating here. I mean, we made it on the front page of the paper, and you know, when you're on the front page of the paper in Marshall, you get stopped just about everywhere saying, "Hey, I saw you on the front page of the paper," and <laughs> and this was about hemp. Wow, that's pretty good. And yeah, yeah. What do you think you're going to see it here? And so it just gets keep it gets the conversation going, and and again, our county is looking for a way of moving forward economically to bring in new businesses and you know what stands out for me is several folks have left the agricultural their families you know to go to places say like Colorado and uh, eventually when hemp's able to be cultivated here I can see they may want to even come home yes yes Chris I want to thank you for being a guest on the iHemp Revolution. Uh, it's been marvelous, and thank you for your support and uh, hospitality while we were in Marshall, Missouri. 
And again, please come back to visit us at Kitty's Corner and and then listeners here at IHAM Revolution. It's easy to fly over Missouri, but if you just happen to be uh, across Missouri on I-70, we're just 10 miles off the road on I-70. And uh, at Kitty's Corner, um, uh, one of our mottos is we, you know, we have boutique uh, guest suites and guest houses and everything is furnished. You just basically walk in and, hello, honey, I'm home. Another important part, too, is hemp is spoken here. And so please come visit us. And, and thank you, Freddie, for doing all you're doing to get uh, hemp out there in the airwaves. And please, again, come back and visit us soon. Well, I plan on doing that. I want to thank our listeners for tuning in today and make sure that you subscribe to the iHemp Revolution podcast on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. Give us a review and follow us on Facebook.com forward slash iHempRevolution. Like us and tell your friends. Help spread the word about how using industrial hemp can benefit people, heal the planet, and provide long-term profit. This is your host, Coach Freddie, inspiring people to do things that inspire them. And thanks for joining the iHemp Revolution.